As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Anything is Potable on the Athletic Network. I'm your host, Jay King. I know you missed Sam Packer today, but we've got a special guest, Mo Dakil, former video coordinator for the Spurs, and I believe the Clippers, right? Yes. And most of my time was most of my time was with the Clippers. And the Clippers, former Doc Rivers video coordinator, Mo Dakil. Uh so obviously Celtics have played a lot better lately. They've won three straight. They're two games over 500, the best they've been so far in the Ime Odoka era. But the offense has lagged well behind the defense so far, ranking 17th in offensive efficiency entering Tuesday's games. So I brought Mo on to kind of discuss the state of the Celtics offense. And he's the expert here. So I'm going to bow down to him, Mo. I'm going to start you off with the most broad question possible. What do you see when you watch the Celtics offense? I see a ton of one-on-one basketball. Mm-hmm. And that's and I think that's pretty obvious for everybody who watches. The, it's not even like, wow, like I'm sure people are listening going like that's the expert opinion. Really? <laughs> At, you know, like okay. But it really is that and it's been something that's not even something under Udoka. It's been the been that way really the past two or three years, even within Stevens, like the, the Brad Stevens came in and he brought a very simple flex offense, but it worked. And it was something that to be honest, a lot of NBA teams weren't even used to seeing the flex that often. And then, you know, it just kind of had a, a built-in system, built-in things in their creative fluidity and everything like that. And now the further we they've gone away from that, the more it's just become very uh, centric on the Jays, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and they're unbelievable talents. But the thing is, you know, it really just becomes just an offense of the two of them and, and the other guys aren't fully involved except for random plays here and there. And I think that's kind of the, on the broad nature of it. That's the first thing that absolutely stands out every time I watch a Celtics game. Okay. So 
Emil Doka has come in, um, and he's trying to change that, right? Like, first thing he said, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, they need to become better playmakers. Um, he's kind of put everything on them to to lift that up that part of their games. How do they get a more fluid offense if those guys are, you know, they're going to be the two stars, they're going to be the guys who have the ball in their hands the majority of the time? What what do you think needs to improve to go away from the your turn, my turn offense, as Udoka calls it? I think you almost have to start with having some sort of system. This isn't a group of guys you can just run plays for. It's call call a play or call different play and things like that. I think that was kind of what worked under Stevens. Now, part of it was those guys weren't there when Stevens started. You know, <laughs> it was a little bit of a different time. But, you know, running just even just simple actions that forces them to move, you know, and and cut across and and you know, set a screen and then come off a screen and things like that. I think just something, a simple system like that, or, you know, I mean, God, like Jay, when we were kids, what was it, you know, pass and go screen away, like something is, you know, it may be a little more complex because, you know, what yeah, you ran in, it, what you ran back in the day won't work in an NBA game, but like having a, a, a little bit, just as something, just a starting point, right. Almost like a base. And, and, and then from there you can build out, and that'll kind of make those guys kind of get a little more involved in the action because, you know, I think that's the first thing that they got to really look at, you know, is just sort of running that stuff because, you know, and this is going to be redundant throughout the entire pod, and I apologize, but it's been three years of just one guy dribbles the ball up the court, ball stays in his hand the whole time, sidestep, step for, you know, for three. It's, 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 it's whatever. It's something, you know, or, or driving into the lane and hope you can create something. And when they do get assists, it's kind of just almost out of necessity. I drove, they stopped me, I kicked it out, and the guy hit a three. It wasn't like that was their main aim before. No, w- one thing I've been harping on in the podcast that listeners will probably be mad at me for bringing up again because it's just I've annoyed them with it, <laughs> is if you want to make Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown better playmakers, giving them shooting around them would make it a lot easier. And obviously, this roster does not have a lot of shooting. Um, like Dennis Schroeder, 33% last year. Marcus Smart, 33% last year. Josh Richardson, 33% last year. Right. <laughs> a lot of the key guys were around that mark, including ball handlers. So, like, given that, um, like, what are the limitations? for this offense and how do you kind of get around that um like obviously they've tried to put tatum in the post sometimes they've tried to like kind of go through different things um but how do you get around that and and still create pretty good opportunities yeah that's actually that's a great point you brought up you know Jay, and you, you know how much it hurts me to say you had a great point. Yeah, um, that hurts a lot. <laughs> the uh, what I would say is, you know, it's there's no real way you can fix that, right? You just don't have the shooters at the end of the day. Like you just don't have those guys. And the one thing I'd push back is like even even on Yudoka saying like these guys have to be better playmakers. It's not in their nature. You know, it's not who they are. You know, and, and unfortunately, there's not a lot of guys on their roster who are playmakers. Schroeder's a guy they brought in, and he's not really a playmaker for others. Marcus Smart tends tries to be, but he's not really good at it. Um, you know, he can get some assists and rack up some great nights, but it's not really something he does. It's not something I look at saying, like, when I list the things Marcus Smart does, playmaking is not 
on the top of the list. And I think their their real issue is, and I, I kind of call these guys connectors or a table setter. That's really what they're missing because their best shooters are Tatum and Brown for the most part. You know, Brown shooting 40% from three this year. Granted, he's missed a ton of games. I know Tatum started off slow, but we know he'll get back up. Um, I just think their issue is they don't have somebody to pass to them to get them easy shots in those situations and get them the the open threes in those opportunities. And I think that's part of what leads to the problem with that. And, you know, if you have bad shooters around you, it doesn't matter if Tatum forces a double team in the post. They're not going to make them, and teams aren't going to defend it. And that's going to crowd the paint even more, and that becomes a bigger issue for Boston's offense. What have you seen Udoka change so far um, from what Brad tried to do and and what does he need to change the most moving forward? It's kind of funny because I've looked at it and I still haven't felt like the offense has changed at all. I feel like they're the same team offensively. Um, you know, it, small the numbers teams, are so similar. Like it, it, they every, still don't produce <laughs> attempts at the rim. They still shoot a lot of mid-range jumpers. Tatum's like shot locations are almost exactly the same to the percentage. It's it's pretty crazy. It's it's nuts. It's nuts because we just I just haven't even seen it. Like there hasn't been one thing I could point to that I can just say, wow, you know, Udoka's changed this. A little bit of a different roster with Horford this time around, no Kemba Walker, Robert Williams getting more minutes when he's healthy and on the court. But it's like not much has changed throughout all of this, you know, and and people were like, looks and Horford's going to get more playmaking opportunities, play him at the high post and things like that. Like, I'd like to see some more elbow actions and elbow game, you know, give it to Horford there and have Tatum go screen for Brown even there and let the two of them play off of that. And, and, you know, make defenses have to defend that and figure out how they want to defend that with, you know, a pin down along the weak side. Like there are many things you can do that. I just haven't seen a single one where, where we've really kind of gone like, oh, that's new. Like there, ha- I mean, you tell me, Jay, you've probably even watched more than me. Have you seen anything to you that really stands out? Uh, some changes I've seen, like they're not, for whatever reason, it doesn't seem like they're using Robert Williams as much. Um, his usage has gone way down. They're not running as many pick and rolls. It's probably partly because Kemba's gone, because Fournier has gone, because the roster has changed. Um, but even Tatum hasn't run as many pick and rolls. So, so that's a little different. Um, and I don't know if that's a good thing. (laughs) Well, this isn't a team that you can, that, that has a lot of motion stuff, right? Like there's not a lot of guys who are like, yo, he's, he's such a good off ball movement, you know, that like his movement's so good off the ball that we don't have to run a ton of pick and rolls. Like, you know, this is going to, this is going to be a bit crappy because it's this freaking Steph Curry. But, like, the Warriors can run an offense that they don't even ever have to really run a pick and roll if they don't want to because Steph's movement off the ball is so good, and he has that gravity. Yes, nobody on the roster for the Celtics is on that level that can create that, but there's nothing along those lines. Like, even, you know, just not running the pick and roll seems a little bit funny. But, again, I think a lot of those numbers were from Kemba and Fournier more than anybody else last season. With that, Tatum, you know, bringing a second defender, I think, uh, is something that some guys hate. You know, they prefer an isolation where they just got to beat their guy instead of having to worry about the the defender of the the big man's defender, the the guy coming showing, hedging. Are they trapping? Are they, what are they doing? A lot of guys, you know, tend to just prefer isolation, so they don't have to think about that. And that might be Tatum, but that's also part of the problem. Again, they need to get out of isolation, more, you know, and get into more of just get the ball moving. 
you know, going, you know, side to side. How many possessions have you seen, Jay, this year where you felt like, wow, like that ball went, you know, swing, swing three to the corner or, you know, whatever, swing, swing, drive into the lane, find the lob for the dunk or whatnot. Like we just haven't seen a lot of it where the ball's kind of flown around and you've gotten five or six passes in a possession. Not that you need to have that to be a good offense, but we haven't, I, I barely have seen any from Celtics when I watch them. Yeah. And, th- and that's, Obviously, that's been an issue dating back a couple of years now. Um, and and I think your point about the off-ball movement is a good one. Because I think, like, Tatum has become a much better passer over the years. He's gotten much better at dealing with double teams. He's gotten much better at, you know, spraying a kick out to the opposite corner. The one area where I feel like he and Jalen Brown really need to improve the most, like you said, is off-ball movement. Go get an easy bucket. You look at, like, Kevin Durant. Obviously, he's the greatest scorer right now in the game. (laughs) Maybe the greatest scorer ever. So many of his buckets are set up before he touches the ball. Like, he touches the ball, and he's ready to shoot. He's in a position to shoot. Tatum doesn't always do that. Um and that's one of my biggest issues with his game is that he makes things more difficult on himself by allowing the defense to set up by catching and holding and, and going into his isolation bag, which is deep, but it's also really tough to score like that. No matter who you are, Um, you, you tweeted the other day, he's that dude when he attacks like this, right? Um, what do you see from him when he's in that mode? And and is that something that he can just go to all the time? Or is it just like that happens randomly when Russell Westbrook is guarding him and the Lakers are, are really putting up much resistance? Yeah, you know, like everybody's biggest complaint is he doesn't average a ton of free throw attempts, you know, and that's always been a low free throw rate type of situation. And it's because he settles a lot. A lot of it is, you know, isolation. Okay, dribble, pull up you know, type of scenario and, and everything that he goes into is that, but like when he attacks and in that Laker game, like it wasn't just that he was attacking, but like he was bumping guys off and getting to the cup. And it was, you know, when he's at that level, he's on another plane. He's reaching that level of which people thought like, yo, this is the Jason Tatum we were expecting after his fresh, uh, after his fresh, after his rookie year. You know, I think those are the things we want to kind of see continue to grow from him along along those lines and yes his passing has gotten better but he's never going to be like an eight or nine assist type of guy that's just not who he is a dude can score so why would you take that away from him you know in that but he's also i love that you just said what you said in the sense of like he does make it harder on himself you know there are times where he pump fakes out of a a, a wide open three to go take a contested two like part of it's just like nah dude that was a catch and shoot scenario get that shot off and, and, and fly with that. I think, you know, when you're looking at his evolution, you know, like you want him to be a three level scorer, but he just doesn't get to the rim enough. And like that Laker game was a great example of when he does get to the rim, it opens everything else up for him. It'll open up the mid range shot for him. It'll open up the three point shot for him because teams got to really worry about that. And then when he teams are collapsing on him, he is a willing passer. It's just, I don't know if he always sees those passes, but when teams start collapsing on him, then he's going to start making those passes and those kickouts. But yeah, 
long-winded answer, but just one more thing I just want to add because you said talk just talking about easy buckets. The Celtics are 28th in transition points. That's crazy. Uh, that's one of the stats that has stood out to me most. And it's like, how? How? Like, they have Tatum. They have Brown. They have Dennis Schroeder, who's almost as fast as anyone in the NBA. It makes no sense to me that their transition offense has been as bad as it is. And they get yeah. stops, too. It's not like they're just giving up tons of buckets. They're always taking the ball through the net. Like, they're getting stops and still not scoring in transition. Yeah, no, they get the rebound, and then it's like, all right, everybody slow down. And it's like, no, ramp it up, man. Get You got the athleticism. And, and in most of these games, the, the youth run, you know, get it out. Get those easy th- buckets. Like, I think they're, last I checked, they're around like 9.3 points a game in fast break. That's not going to get it done. You got to get in there around like, get into the 13 or 14 points a game. It'll just make it so much easier for you offensively. That's you know, once you. That's been one of the strangest things to me because last year they were pretty good in transition. Um, It depends like where you go for the stats, but I think cleaning the glass had them at like 10th in transition and synergy had them in second. And it's like, either way, that's either great or pretty good. And then this year it's just plummeted. It it makes no sense to me because Udoka from day one stressed that they wanted to play faster. They want to play with pace. And it just, for whatever reason, has not come to fruition. Right. And and I don't want this to be all their offensive problems are, are, are on Tatum and, and Brown, largely. You know, it's, you know, you just see situations where, like, Marcus Smart will get the ball swung to him and he'll stop to look, you know. And that stop to look instead of the automatic pass the next, you know, to the next guy kind of just lets the defense catch up in the rotations and everything like that. And And the transition thing is an issue with all the guys. You know, not looking to run, not looking to get out and and push the pace with everything. So it's it's not just a Tatum thing. It's just more glaring because like the the, the problem with their offense, Jay, is people will look at it as Tatum's had 30 point games the last four games. Like, oh, the offense is fine. I don't know why you guys are doing this podcast. I said, no, it's just when he's scoring, it hides the issue that the offense really it was still him creating everything for himself and not really for others or or nobody else really getting those opportunities it just hides the issues and you become so dependent on him having those nights and when brown comes back and and, and is rolling and, and and back in full form same thing they're just depending on those two guys and come playoff time that's easy to defend is is that something that that they can change like like is that something that this roster is equipped to change because i look at the roster and i think marcus smart's a playmaker like you can run offense through Marcus Smart. I actually wonder why they haven't staggered Smart and Tatum more because I think, like, Schroeder's not a point guard. He's no. he, he's out for his own offense, which is fine. He's good at it. Um, but, like, I just feel like they're a lot more structured when Smart has the ball in his hands and, and is, is going through sets and creating for guys, and they have multiple playmakers. Um so, like, is is there anything that they can do or that you would do if you were Odoka, whether it's rotations, um, whatever else, to try to get out of that stagnation? Yeah, I think, you know, I may not necessarily – I don't agree with you necessarily in the smarts uh, uh, playmaker in that sense. Like, I just don't think if, – if he's your playmaker, your offense is going to be in trouble and the Celtics' offense is in trouble. Um, but the – 
To, Way to, to his defense, he has the best offensive rating on the team. Um, <laughs> he has the most assists on the team, second year running. And and even without Tatum, I think their offense is like has been pretty good with him on the court, which is rare because like their offense has plummeted at other times without Tatum. Yeah, and and just and I'm not saying he can't do it. Like yeah. I just don't think that should be your primary guy. Like his best role is as a secondary playmaker, as the guy that that kind of helps clean things up a bit. You know, um, it, they don't have a guy that just kind of helps to keep the offense flowing and keep the system right. And I think like they haven't had that guy since Gordon Hayward. I think that was a very underrated thing that Gordon Hayward did was just kind of keep it flowing. His numbers may not have popped out. It may not even be assist numbers or whatnot, but just keep it flowing. Everything's going in, in that sense, quick passes, whatever it was, quick decisions. He kept it kind of flowing here. You see, you see of it, you see it stopping a lot. And I think that's the issue. And, And so what I would do if I'm looking at it from Udoka, I think, you know, I think play Al Horford a little bit, you know, as the center and and play him in the high post and run some stuff in there through him. You know, not just elbow game. You could run Princeton sets with him at the high post and 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 go from there. Him being a good enough passer can do it. And with his shot, you know, if teams back off of him, he can just boom hit the hit the free throw jumper right there, the top of the key, for, you know, three, all of those things. He has that range. I think you know the, there's that area I would look at. Other things too, I would try to do is I try to stay away from times where you have Marcus Smart and Josh Richardson on the court at the same time. Try maybe pair, you know, Smart with Neesmith a little bit. So Neesmith can get some catch and shoot opportunities in those instances. So you can kind of be that release valve in in, in that instance. You know, even though Richardson's going to bring the defense with Smart, not going to bring a lot of shooting. And you know, you're you're hoping Neesmith is going to be your best shooter. And I or at least one of your best shooters. I know it hasn't really borne out that much this year. And he struggled badly from it, but we know he can shoot. He's just in a bad run. Yeah, and I, th- I think you just got to kind of start putting him in those positions where he's going to get easier looks at threes and things like that. And I think you can get that by just sort of tweaking the rotations here and there and how you pair guys and stuff like that. But you know, I would start trying to put in some sets where you have different guys, you know, the ball in different guys' hands, and force Tatum, force Brown to have to move, screen, and cut. Because once you start doing that. It'll open things up for everybody else, and it'll open it up for them too. It'll open up backdoor cuts. Those guys are smart players. They're going to know when they when the defense is trying is overplaying them, and they'll cut backdoor, and they'll get you know guys like Horford, guys like Smart will find them with those passes. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. So, obviously, they've changed their roster around those guys quite a bit over the last few years. They always had, before this season, like a high-usage point guard. First, it was 
Isaiah Thomas. Then it was Kyrie, although Tatum didn't play with Isaiah Thomas, I'm pretty sure. Um, then it was Kyrie. Then it was Kemba Walker. So do you think like a Tatum Brown, like can they be the center of an offense? And this is just like the struggles of them figuring out how to do that. Um, or is it the case where like this vision that the Celtics front office had this year with Marcus Smart at point guard, um, obviously not like a super creator, not like a Damian Lillard or Kyrie or Denver even. Um, like, do they need somebody else next to them or, or could they one day be capable enough to like get this team where they want? No, I I think they need somebody next to him. And it's the same problem, oddly enough, the Clippers have with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. I know this is a Celtics podcast, so no, that, that that's a comparison I think is very accurate. Right. And 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 you've you can see the struggles with it when the two of them are on the court. And listen, the my turn, your turn thing is a problem we see across the NBA a lot of times with with guys, but that's where I think you need to have a dude. Who, who again, like I said, like I call a connector, a guy who kind of just keeps things flowing in that sense, almost like the guy to kind of get them in the right spots. And I think just a guy, you know, I still kind of shocked they didn't find a way to get Lonzo Ball last season at the trade deadline. Um, even if it would have cost him Marcus Smart, I'm just throwing out names. I don't know if it there was ever anything to that or whatnot, but if that would have been a perfect fit for them, right, with Lonzo, because you're kind of seeing what he's doing in Chicago, right? Like Chicago's making it work with Levine and DeRozan right now. And, and they're finding, you know, and, and, and they're finding the guys with connectors, Lonzo, Caruso, those guys are making it easier for those two guys to get themselves going. They don't have anybody on the Celtics roster for that. You know, it's even a guy like Rubio who we're seeing kind of do a great job of that in Cleveland. You know, I think just those types of guys are, 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 are who I would target if I were the Celtics. Cause I think that guy would be the, the piece that would make this whole thing go. And then you'd start to see the offense really take off to another level. Um, and I, the unfortunate thing for the league is there's not a lot of those guys. Those guys are hard to find, you know. Um, and I think that's the thing that the Celtics need to try to find. You see, if they have that on their roster, I don't think they currently do. Then they need to find a way to go get one. That's It's it's funny you, you brought up the connector part and you brought up the Clippers. I felt like Kyle Lowry would have been the perfect fit perfect. for the Clippers. Like, Put Kyle Lowry on that roster, and everything makes so much more sense. And all of a sudden, it's easier for Kawhi. It's easier for Paul George. Everybody else around them is getting easier opportunities. And like Kyle Lowry is a type of piece, like like you said, like he's not always going to score twenty. He's not always going to have nine or ten assists. But everything he does helps the offense flow. And like somebody like that, like put him at point guard for the Celtics with his level of body motion and ball movement and energy. And all of a sudden things change. It, 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 it changes a whole ton, right? Like it just kind of, you, you go like, okay, now this makes sense. Now there's no longer questions of can these two, can the two J's coexist? Cause I know we're starting to hear that a little bit this year. I, I definitely think they can, they just need to get that one piece. You know, and it may not even necessarily be a point guard. It could be, you know, uh, a wing player that's that's well, not a wing player because they're both wings, but a big guy, Horford, a, a better, higher level passer than Horford. Horford's good, but it's like 
how old is he at this point? Like, I don't know if he can kind of continue to do that, but like they need to just find that one guy. It may not necessarily be a point guard. could be a big guy. could be a power forward, but it needs to be somebody that can kind of bring this whole thing together. It's, you know, it's a glue guy type deal, you know? And I think that's the important piece that they're missing. Cause right now everybody they have for the most part who, who scores for the Celtics are one-on-one talents, you know, and, and, and nobody, and they never get easy looks whether in transition or even in the half court, it's just, everything's hard for them. And some nights everything's going to go in and they're going to look amazing. And we're all going to be like, wow, the Celtics offense is awesome. Then you're going to have nights and you're going to have, you know, a, a, a run of games where you're like, damn, these dudes can't hit a shot. And it all looks bad. And so to you, you, you brought up the the questions about whether Tatum and Brown can play together. I, I personally think it's stupid. Like there's two, six, seven, six, eight guys who can defend one through four, who can shoot 40% or close to it from three who can make plays off like yes they fit together guys like they're they're fine together and i think the numbers bear that out especially if you go back to when they had hayward next to them like the numbers were crazy with those three on the court when you when they had even this year like when those two guys are on the court the Celtics have been very good um it's it's normally like like if you look at their numbers right now i think they they fall like from 107 points per 100 possession to 94 when Tatum sits, and it's like okay, right. well, like, okay, pretty good ball player. <laughs> yeah, and, and he, so it's like it, I don't mean to bring up this criticism like it's all on Tatum, it's all on Brown, or like that they can't fit together because they, I think they can. Um, but I do think that there's something missing in the Celtics offense that's been missing for a couple years now, and probably since Gordon Hayward left. <laughs> like, Yeah. And I think that's, that's the piece. It's just kind of the uh, it's, I don't think anybody thought this would happen when Hayward left. I didn't, you know, I wish I was smart enough to, I kind to of did. do that. Not, not to this extent, like where it would be, they were 500 last year or anything, but. I mean, I, I knew you'd, we'd, you'd miss them, but I didn't know it'd be to this extent of the, the struggles offensively. Yeah. At, at which they're, they're going through. And, you know, the other thing, too, and people got to remember, it's 18 games at the time of our recording of Ime Yudoka's coaching career. We can also relax a little bit. Like, it does take time. This is a first-year head, first-time head coach, not even just the first year with the team, but first time. It's going to take some some time to find the, the, the offense and the right stuff to put together and where guys fit and things like that. And it's going to take those guys to figure to, to work on it too. Jason and, and Jalen got to figure out how to make this stuff work and they got to sacrifice some stuff as well. You know, maybe it is taking less shots and things like that, like, you know, and, and making sure you keep the offense flowing with it, but I, it, it, give it time. And I think we'll start to see it kind of slowly flesh out, but you know, my just big concern is just, you know, the the playmaking. That was always my concern going into this season was I just didn't see where they were going to get consistent playmaking, you know, and, and that's the problem. And I'm with you. Anybody that thinks those two guys can't make it work, like, you're an idiot. <laughs> those two guys fit. Like, it does. I mean, you couldn't – in the way the league is played now, you almost need two more wings, you yeah. know, and, and, and so that you could constantly be interchanging wings and – and rotating guys, obviously, you wouldn't find guys who can score at their level, but you need to have those types of guys. Like they're the perfect frame for what you want with the Celtics, 
And I think this is it's just a matter now of building the pieces around them to fit. You touched on it earlier. You need better shooters around them. You know, you need to find those guys. You need to find a, a playmaker. You need to find defenders. You know, um, Robert, maybe they do need to run some more pick and roll so that Robert Williams can provide some vertical spacing, you know, and in, in that level. And and maybe it is saying, hey, we're not going to play Horford this game or, or, or sit him at this. We're not going to start those two because it kind of clogs the court a little bit and and whatnot. Like you got to kind of start getting a little bit more creative if you're Yudoka in what you're trying to do. But I just think they'll find a way. It's, it's the the one piece missing is is something that I think is going to be hard to get over the you know dur- throughout this season. I think maybe they'll find it next year in the off season. But you know it's they're right there because like once you get that piece, once you get I think that passer, that guy that's hey like let's just keep the offense moving. I think this team's going to be right up there in the Eastern Conference. Like I don't think they're very far away. It's oh. just a hard, hard piece to find. So you you named Lonzo. Who would be other guys? that would be on that list of guys who are connectors. Unfortunately, one of them is Gordon Hayward, and he's yeah. probably not coming <laughs> back anytime soon. Yeah, I don't, um, think, I don't think that contract will be headed back to Boston anytime soon. No, not at all. Uh, well, the Horford came back, so who knows? You never know, right? You never say never. You know, a guy like um, – I touched on Rubio, but another guy is like Mike Connolly in Utah. I don't know if – I mean, I don't think he'll be available, obviously, with things like that. I'm just throwing out names of guys that can kind of just keep the – the piece moving um this one will piss everybody off but ben simmons would be a guy that would keep the offense flowing in the in the passing department and things like that for obvious reasons we know and i'm not saying yo they should trade for ben simmons everybody relax before anybody jumps in my mentions it's just something that you know another name that can kind of do that lowry was a great name that you referenced earlier i mean it's they just got to find the guy you know, and, and they're not a lot of them. I'll be honest. Throughout the NBA, I think a lot of teams are going to begin to struggle finding those guys because now our, the point guard position has become predominantly score first now. And I think that's a hard thing to find somebody that kind of is willing to sort of just let's create for everybody and keep the offense flowing. I mean, hell, even if it was a dude like Draymond, you know, uh, that's a guy that's kind of a connector and keeps the ball flowing and moving around. So I think there's a lot of, guys there and it, again it doesn't necessarily have to be a guard could be a a, a big man but you just got to start figuring it out who it's going to be you got to find them and you got to that's brad stevens's new job you know <laughs> in the front office now that's the stuff he's got to go figure out you know who are those guys where can i find them and how can i get them yeah and i think they'll learn a lot from this year uh no matter how it goes because they are using a different formula like it's it's on tatum it's on brown now those guys are going to be the ones in charge of the offense during key moments. It's it they they can't lean on Kemba anymore. They can't lean on Kyrie. It it's on them. And for better or worse, like they'll learn a lot from it. The team, I think, will learn a lot from it. Like, what is the best type of roster for those guys? Obviously, they leaned into like toughness and gritty guys this year with Richardson, Schroeder, like guys with an edge, smart. Um but do they need more shooting? Do they need like more size? Like what, what is it that will maximize those guys? And and that's Brad's, that's Brad's new challenge. Like you said, I appreciate you coming on here, man. You are a sharp dude. You are a fantastic expert of the game. And I always enjoy listening to you on 
on the game. I, I know I give you a lot of shit. I know I'm always always <laughs> chirping. We go at back you. and forth. Come on, we go always, back and forth. I throw always chirping right at you on Twitter, but like I, I really appreciate you, the level of work you put into doing your job the right way. And uh so thank you for coming on the show. No man, I appreciate it. And Jay, I go I will go right back at you. Let's not pretend like it's oh we're not exciting. gonna stop. No, no oh hell no. What? <laughs> no. I'm coming at you every time I'm on buds, any chance I get. Uh, <laughs> no, man, like, uh, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you having me on. I was honored when I when you told me I was the first name you thought of to talk about this. And yes, yeah, man, anytime, when they do get this stuff going, bring me back on and we can talk about how they're rolling. Absolutely. Appreciate you, brother. Thank Take you. Take care.